You're listening to a Fair Mormon production. Welcome to Fair Mormon's front page news review, where we can provide context and analysis of the past week's media coverage of Mormons and the LDS Church. I'm your host, Nicoletti, and with me via the internet is manager of the Fair Mormon front page news service, Cassandra Hedelius. We hope this will be an edifying and entertaining experience. What we present is not to be understood as being the official position of Fair Mormon or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We speak for ourselves and sometimes not even them. And I have to tell you, Cassandra, there is something funny about that tagline. That that whole idea of we speak for ourselves <laughs> and sometimes not even then. Got a little flack the other day. Got, got a couple <laughs> comments of people attributing certain things to us as being the... Uh, official position of the church. So I'm really glad that we say that at the beginning. Ah, excellent. Yes. With that being said, though, we have actually had something very official come out this week that really kind of dominated all the news, even trended on Facebook about Mormons in the LDS church. Why don't you go ahead and get us into this big, giant, confusing mess? (laughs) Did you just say Mormons in the LDS church? Did you mean to say something else? Um, I don't know. My brain's not working. Okay. I went to the dentist yesterday, and I think they <laughs> numbed me a little too far up. Ah, so it's very, right. it's very Fair possible enough. that I said something wrong. Right. This event is going to dominate, I think, a lot of what we talk about for months, possibly even years to come. Really? You give it that much weight? That's That's a lot of weight. I do. I do. And I think by the end of our discussion, you will see why I think that way and probably agree with me. All right. Bring it um, on. So what happened yesterday, Tuesday, January 27th, um, the church announced that it was going to hold a press conference. And press conferences like that don't happen very often. A lot of the news coverage mentioned that this is a rare press conference. So we had elders Holland and Oaks and Christofferson and then Sister Marriott from the Young Women General Presidency. And they read a prepared statement in tandem about how, as an effort to reach out and also to hopefully receive respect in return, they are going to support, even advocate, that a law be passed that protects LGBT individuals against discrimination in employment and housing. And LGBT being, of course, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender individuals, for those that haven't heard that term. (laughs) I think in some formulations there are additional letters in that acronym, but we'll stick with that Exactly, yeah. Um, And what the church is hoping for in return is... um, is support for legislation that protects religious exercise issues of religious liberty. And there is an awful lot of detail and analysis to be done on that. And immediately all of the news and the internet basically exploded with it. But I think the main points are that um, what the church is looking for is additional protection beyond what the Constitution and Supreme Court decisions already provide. Um, At the moment, you do have a pretty good argument that you should be protected if, say, you, if you are a baker or a painter or someone who is engaged in commerce but in a way that uses your talents and your um, kind of building up your brand and your expression of your unique abilities and that if you have a religious objection to certain events that you shouldn't be forced 
to cater to or provide for those events. And so right now, you've got a pretty good argument under case law. However, to protect your rights under case law often requires filing or defending against a lawsuit that is really messy and expensive and uncertain. So what the church would like to see happen is that legislation be passed um, by the various states. Um, They didn't really mention anything about federal legislation, but that would probably be fine too. Um, That would just spell out without the need for a court case or a lawsuit that if you are trying to do X, Y, or Z, then you can't be forced to do it for an event that you would rather not based on your religious convictions. That is what the church would like to have happen. And kind of the impetus for the timing here, I think, is that gay marriage is now basically a done deal. Um, it well, it's has, being discussed in the Supreme Court, isn't it? Aren't they going to be hearing cases about that? That is true. The Supreme Court has taken it up. Based on their recent decisions, I'm just going, well, no, maybe I shouldn't go there, Nick. I don't know. Should I give my opinion of what it is? Well, you do speak for yourself and sometimes not even then. So <laughs> That's you true. can say whatever you I'm want. Sorry. All right. So the impetus for the timing in this is that gay marriage is quite possibly a done deal at this point. Um, The Supreme Court is going to be hearing it within the next year or two. It takes a while for all of that to happen. Um, But federal courts have struck down laws saying that religion, or I'm sorry, that marriage is man, woman only in, I believe the count is something like 37 states. Right. And it seems to be, there's plenty of legal defense that can be made that's acceptable on a federal level. Right. And so from the standpoint of someone trying to protect religious liberty, this is not a great position to be in because when gay marriage is enacted by way of court decisions um, emanating out of lawsuits, then religious conscience, conscience protections aren't even under consideration. It's not going to be part of the suit. That's not what the case is about. Um, If gay marriage had been passed state by state by legislation, then it's possible that some religious liberty protections could have been included in that. So this is like a a preemptive strike of sorts. Well, no, almost a post-emptive strike. (laughs) um, (laughs) From the church's point of view, yeah, I don't think that's a word, but from the church's point of view, it would have been better if gay marriage had been enacted state by state via legislation. It didn't happen that way. It happened by lawsuit, and the church can see that that means religious liberty is not very well protected right now. And so, therefore, calling for legislation to be passed that spells out very neatly without the need to resort to the courts in a lawsuit and a messy, expensive process, this is what protection a person who is religious has when they are engaging out in the marketplace. Well, I, I guess I have a few things to kind of bring up to help show how the, this there's a lot of different perspectives going on here. First of all, I, I would assume you've got this side of people that maybe they're a very small minority and, and haven't been as vocal, but there is this element of, I thought the church wasn't supposed to be involved in these sorts of things, right? That, that we don't... We don't take positions on certain political things. You know, that statement that they read every election season. But if you listen to the entire statement, it also says that we reserve the right to take positions on moral issues that are important in our doctrine. Right. So that would be the response to that group. 
Then there's another res- group, and this is probably the most vocal group, which is, let's just sum it up under the heading of the Daily Beast article that, you, <laughs> that you've also linked to, yeah. uh, the, the Daily Beast. They, they love us so much. If it wasn't for us, where, where would they get content? But the Mormon Church's gay rights charade is what this one article talks about. And that very much speaks to the tone that I've seen of this is the church looking for a way to discriminate legally is what I've been told. How, how would you respond to someone like that? Because that, that seems to be the more vocal uh, opposition to what the church has put out. I would respond that the church is able to discriminate. That is kind of a snarl word, as Truman Madsen used to say, discrimination, discrimination is bad. Well, churches still do have a very special and very well-protected place in our society, protected by the First Amendment. And yes, they can discriminate. They can hire who they want. They can run businesses the way that they want. I mean, not you know, vast commercial enterprises, but businesses that are related to their core mission as a church, um, churches have a lot of leeway to be able to be religious in the way that they believe. That's just the way it is. If you don't like it, you're going to have to repeal the First Amendment. I'd rather you not. Um, exactly. And so when people accuse us of discriminating, the answer is yes. Yes, we do. And I think that everybody does to some extent. It's just a question of does the law allow it? And then we can go into the morality behind it. Because, I mean, obviously that is a um, legitimate point to bring up. Is it moral to discriminate in the way that you're doing? I think one of the things that that is brought up even in the Daily Beast uh, article is that uh, a quote from Elder D. Todd Christofferson that basically came out and said, we're announcing no change in doctrine and church teachings. So that's not what this was about, and I think that was probably to put to rest a few different rumors that had been floating around, maybe perhaps regarding temple marriages and things like that. But in this particular case, this is not church doctrine we're not talking about per se, right? I mean, we're not talking about any kind of major shift that should cause a, a faith crisis or anything like that. This is simply a way that the church is trying to find a way to function in the world that is increasingly uh, competing with the morals that they stand for. So in, in some respects, I, when I looked through some of these different articles, the tone varied, and some people were just simply reporting on, on the different sides. Some people were clearly putting an ax you know, to this and, and, and wanting to find critical things to say. But I, I was also rather surprised to find a, a, a large majority of people that I would say are either in the LGBT community, or at least sympathizers, that were actually glad to hear this. And they, they actually considered it a nice, I guess, extension of a, a gesture, a handshake, if you will, to say, let's work together, which I think was kind of what it was supposed to be about, right? This was all supposed to be a, let's find right. a way where we can both get along. So at the center of what the church is doing here is, it is kind of a give and take. On the one hand, we support non-discrimination legislation for LGBT people. On the other hand, we expect you to work with us on some religious liberty issues that are very important to us. Some people see that balance 
the, the author of this Daily Beast article, sees that on the one hand, on the other hand thing as just terrible. How on earth could you condition your support for basic human rights for these individuals? Well, what that's really coming down to, first of all, is the church has been advocating non-discrimination for a number of years now. They um, supported a similar law in Utah back going to, I think, about 2009. What she's really mad about is that they didn't change their doctrine. They didn't come out and say that we support gay marriage or other things that she thinks is, you know, just unarguable. That is the moral thing to do. Well, the church disagrees. The church has the right to disagree. We have our religious beliefs, and we'd really love it if you would respect that. And so, as an extension and an amplification of our support for and these laws that would end discrimination in housing and employment, we would ask that you support us in religious liberty. So people who don't see that as such a terrible thing, um, they see it, some people see it as great that the church is taking a stand, is doing something helpful for individuals who are marginalized and do sometimes have a very hard time. And so, yes, let's move forward. And one other little irony is that um, I've seen some complaining that the church is... Uh, just pulled this big bait and switch that they get all these headlines saying that they support LGBT rights, but actually it's, you know, this give and take thing, not just full throated support for human rights. And yet at the same time, the church put out another press, uh, press release item saying, you know, hey, newspapers, all of your headlines that say the church now supports LGBT rights, that's only half the story. Remember that you right. your headline should also reference the religious liberty argument. So anyone who's saying that, you know, the church is just pulling a fast one here, just trying to get favorable headlines, well, no, that's not what the church was going for, and they said so. Well, and that, that certainly didn't happen either. Well, yeah, there were a lot of headlines, too, that were negative. Sure. Well, the Washington Post article is... It, the title actually posts a really important question as we put some context to what this all means, and that is how much will the Mormon Church's endorsement of LGBT protections sway Mormon lawmakers? And so, or I, I would say, how much does it sway any lawmakers? I, I guess in some respects, you have to ask the question of, yeah, this the impact of this statement has certainly gotten some attention from some people, but how has it actually changed anyone's opinion of anything. Have you been able to, in any of your news stories, say, hey, look, here's a person that says, I'm coming around to the Mormon church now because of this. Have you even seen that? Well, um, another note on the timing of this is that I understand there is a bill that could be coming up for consideration in the Utah legislature. And in the Washington Post asks about Mormon legislators because they're the ones who are most obviously likely to care what the Mormon leadership right. has to say. And so some members of the Utah legislature who before might have been like, no, I'm not comfortable with this um, non-discrimination legislation. Now that the church leadership has endorsed it, are they more likely to um, vote in favor of it? I think, yeah, I haven't seen any you know, really any kind of systematic survey or even just going around and trying to take the temperature of various lawmakers, but it does seem like it could really have an effect. And I'll, I'll put it this way. I would be surprised if after this big effort, this big press conference, the Utah legislature still does not pass a non-discrimination law. 
Right. Well, at this point, I mean, that that pretty much covers the issue. There's certainly a lot that can be read about this and a lot of opinions swirling around. Good and, heavens, there's a lot. Yes, yeah, oh sign my up gosh. for front page. There were 46 articles yesterday, and there'll probably be as many as that tonight. There could have been more. I, <laughs> I left out a lot of the local news coverage. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that uh, I don't want to say pollutes this whole conversation, but certainly has uh, something related to it, of course, is still some of the stuff we talked about last week with uh, people being concerned about their support of a gay marriage and other things surrounding the LGBT community and how that may or is supposed to call into question their membership in the church. And I think that there's an aspect to this, even though this was probably much in the works before this all came down, uh, but there's certainly something to the timing that members of the church can see that there's, there's not such a hard line on that issue as far as where people can believe and, and you know see that the church is supporting to a certain extent uh, that community with with these efforts it's not mm. uh, it's not such a hard line I don't actually see a change there I don't see that it has been a hard line and now it's starting to soften um, oh I don't think so either I don't think so oh, either I, I think people's perception of it is that way I think right. people may have that perception that it's kind of all or nothing and I think that this yes. helps to reinforce that that simply isn't the case. Yes. It, I mean, the church has supported non-discrimination legislation, at least in Salt Lake and Utah, since, I believe, 2009. And back when Proposition 8, that campaign was going in 2008, the church said, no, you don't have to support this in order to be a good Mormon. Um, and then Elder Christofferson, after the press conference yesterday, he made a statement that, well, no, it's okay. You can have your personal belief that um, gay marriage is the right thing, that some other things that do not line up with the church's official position, you just can't make yourself a big old deal and a very public advocate and holding yourself out as better than the church on this or, issue. Or an enemy to it in conflict with. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I don't know how much time, more time we want to spend on this, but I also was trying to figure out, and maybe I'm just not smart enough to figure it out, but I'm kind of curious if this statement has any type of effect perhaps in the future with respect to international law. I mean, I know there's a lot of different uh, laws that are being passed in Europe with respect to same-sex marriage. Is there any anything that would be construed as an impact or a commentary on laws internationally? Or is this strictly a U.S. thing? Um, I believe that the press conference was pretty U.S.-focused. Um, they didn't reference any laws or policies in other countries. However, the church is very much on the record as supporting religious liberty everywhere, and I would assume that they are very concerned that there are other countries that don't have a First Amendment and where um, one can be in much more danger of running afoul of the law um, just for believing and acting on one's beliefs. Um, so this statement specifically yesterday, I don't think that it really got to that, but as I mean, as a matter of laying out general principles, yes, they could be applicable elsewhere. Hmm. Okay. 
Well, let's move on. We've talked about this a lot. So, and there's still so much more we could still, say, but oh yes, my gosh, let's yes. move on. Uh, let's move on to the only other story that seemed to poke its head through the mix, and that was the uh, title of this article is still kind of funny to me. It's in the Washington Post, entitled Mitt Romney Still Has a Mormon Problem. Again, mm-hmm. sounding like a disease that only a doctor could remove. So what, what exactly is a Mormon <laughs> problem, according to the Washington Post? Well, from a political standpoint, the the metaphor of a disease isn't really that far off. Um, this is by Chris Eliza, who is a Washington analyst and quite a good one, I think. Um, and he goes through and just talks about all the ways that being a Mormon has hurt Romney in the past. And um, a lot of people don't know any Mormons. There are very few Mormons to be known in places that are important in choosing presidential candidates like Iowa and South Carolina. Um, Mormons still have this weird otherness to them. People don't think of us as just another Christian. Like, nobody cares if you're a Methodist as opposed to a Presbyterian. You're just a Christian. Um, And so that, that did hurt Romney in his opinion. And so with Romney getting ready to possibly run again, or maybe I should say Romney talking about discussing the possibility of getting ready to run again, because we don't know any more than that, Um, it's sad, I wish it weren't the case, but it is a legitimate line of inquiry and discussion is being Mormon going to hurt him this time around, and how so? And will it be like the last time around? And at this point, there still has been nothing official stating that Romney is going to run. I don't think so, no. But it's looking more and more likely. Right, and that's the theme of some other articles. Um, I don't know if we're going to link those specifically, but just a lot of the coverage has been that Romney feels a religious compulsion to run, um, is the way that some have put it, that he feels like he needs to do something for this country, um, which is a wonderful, admirable sentiment. I don't think that anyone could have a problem with that per se, but it is it has given an opening for uh, people to speculate in a sensational fashion about, oh, these old chestnuts about the white horse prophecy and Uh. Mormons taking over the government and that's the tradition that Romney's coming out of and it's basically nonsense. Um, It's very entertaining nonsense and I'm sure it's getting generating a lot of web traffic for those who publish it. Well that is the basis of of the news business at this point so can't fault them for that too much right? I suppose not. The game is what it is. Yeah. Well, that kind of rounds up the top stories from this last week, and I have a feeling that uh, we're still going to be hearing some other residual stories come out about this, perhaps even the effect that the church's statement may have actually had on the way that legislatures move forward with this. I'm actually interested to see over the next little bit to see how other churches either climb on board with that idea or distance itself. In some respects, it's kind of a call to these other churches to uh, kind of walk hand in hand with the Mormons on this issue, which that that might even be kind of the side uh, benefit to this. We might see a unification of, of churches based on and working together to find this protection that, that a lot of churches are looking for. So who knows? And what I think 
they're hoping for is that this law will pass in Utah and then be um, kind of a model law to be taken up in other state legislatures. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you heard it here first. Next week, we will have an article to discuss that will be speculating about the effects of this press conference on a possible Romney campaign. Of course. Well, why not? <laughs> why not? It's got to be. It's got to be put in there. It'll happen. Yeah. So anyway, from the Fair Mormon blog, the things that you want to check out from this last week, if you haven't done so already, um, I actually sat down and did a podcast interview with a man by the name of Wayne Myers, who's second counselor in the Genesis Group Presidency for the Church. He's a his, he's got a book coming out in October called From Baptist Preacher to Mormon Teacher, and he's a really fun conversion story. And there's actually some good information for people that might still be having questions or struggling about issues surrounding the priesthood ban. And then I also have an Articles of Faith interview with Valerie Hudson, uh, which was a lot of fun. And she's talking about, uh, I don't know, do you ever get on to her, her journal that her and a few others do called Square Two? Oh my goodness, yes. Valerie Hudson is fantastic. I pretty much want to be her when I grow up. <laughs> when you grow up, which is what, 20, 30 years? Yeah, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> All right. Well, this, this article was on rectifying the names, reflections on womanhood and language. So in other words, it has a lot to do with the things that we hear about even in the news, of different terms that people used. I mean, we've talked about discrimination as being kind of a load, loaded term. We actually delve into a couple other terms like equality and fairness and things like that and how these terms uh, play a role in the discourse that we have in, in social issues and things like that. So, um, And then one big thing, and I don't know if this is necessarily something that we needed to include as an article in this week's news or not, but there was an article that came out that talked about the correlations, if you will, or the st stats on Mormon youth and suicide, specifically youth that call themselves or identify as being gay. And so there's a lot that can be said there about those numbers and those figures. And so there's a lot to digest. Please go to the blog.fairmormon.org and take a look at these articles. It's some good stuff. And uh, sign up for the Fair Mormon News Service, right? That's like part of what we're doing this for. Fair Mormon front page. Yeah. So front page and, and uh, feel free to uh, join the conversation at the blog posting for this episode at blog.fairmormon.org and voice your comments on anything that we've said that we choose to not take credit for. <laughs> so anyway, that's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. This has been a Fair Moment production.